Chapter Twenty Nine of Old Wells Dug Out. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Marcia Payne. Old Wells Dug Out by Thomas Talmage. Weapons Captured. There is none like that, give it me. First Samuel chapter 21, verse 9. David fled from his pursuers. The world runs very fast when it is chasing a good man. The country is trying to catch David and to slay him. David goes into the house of a priest and asks him for a sword or spear with which to defend himself. The priest, not being accustomed to use deadly weapons, tells David that he cannot supply him. But suddenly, the priest thinks of an old sword that had been carefully wrapped up and laid away, the very sword that Goliath formerly used, and he takes down that sword, and while he is unwrapping the sharp, glittering, memorable blade, it flashes upon David's mind that this is the very sword that was used against himself when he was in the fight with Goliath, and David can hardly keep his hand off of it until the priest has unwound it. David stretches out his hand toward that old sword and says, There is none like that. Give it me. In other words, I want in my own hand the sword which has been used against me and against the cause of God. So it was given him. Well, my friends, that is not the first or the last sword once used by giant and Philistine iniquity which is to come into the possession of Jesus Christ and of his glorious church. I want as well as God may help me to show you that many a weapon which has been used against the armies of God is yet to be captured and used on our side. And I only imitate David when I stretch out my hand toward that blade of the Philistine and cry, There is none like that. Give it me. I remark first, that this is true in regard to all scientific exploration. You know that the first discoveries in astronomy and geology and chronology were used to battle Christianity. Worldly philosophy came out of its laboratory and out of its observatory and said, Now we will prove by the very structure of the earth and by the movement of the heavenly bodies that the Bible is a lie, and that Christianity, as we have it among men, is a positive imposition. Good men trembled. The telescope, the litajar, the electric batteries, all in the hands of the Philistines. But one day, Christianity, looking about for some weapon with which to defend itself, happened to see the very old sword that these atheistic Philistines had been using against the truth, and cried out, 
there is none like it. Give it me. And Copernicus, and Galileo, and Kepler, and Isaac Newton came forth and told the world that, in their ransacking of the earth and heavens, they had found overwhelming presence of the God whom we worship. And this old Bible began to shake itself from the Koran and the Shaster and the Zendavesta with which it had been covered up and lay on the desk of the scholar and in the laboratory of the chemist and in the lap of the Christian, unharmed and unanswered, while the tower of the midnight heavens struck a silvery chime in its praise worldly philosophy said matter is eternal the world always was god did not make it christian philosophy plunges its crowbar into rocks and finds that the world was gradually made and if gradually made there must have been some point at which the process started then who started it and so that objection was overcome and in the first three words of the bible we find that moses stated a magnificent truth when he said in the beginning worldly philosophy said your bible is a most inaccurate book all that story in the old testament again and again told about the army of the locusts it is preposterous there is nothing in the coming of the locusts like an army an army walks locusts fly an army goes in order and procession locusts without order wait said christian philosophy and in eighteen sixty eight in the southwestern part of this country christian men went out to examine the march of the locusts there are men right before me who must have noticed in that very part of the country the coming up of the locusts like an army and it was found that all the newspapers unwittingly spoke of them as an army why they seem to have a commander they march like a host they halt like a host no arrow ever went in straighter flight than the locusts come not even turning aside for the wind if the wind rises the locusts drop and then rise again after it has gone down taking the same line of march not varying a foot the old bible right every time when it speaks of locusts coming like an army worldly philosophy wrong worldly philosophy said all that story about the light turned as clay to the seal is simply an absurdity old-time worldly philosophy said the light comes straight christian philosophy says wait a little while and it goes on and makes discoveries and finds that the atmosphere curves and bends the rays of the light around the earth literally as the clay to the seal the bible right again worldly philosophy wrong again ah says worldly philosophy all that allusion in job about the foundations of the earth is simply an absurdity where wast thou says god when i set the foundations of the earth the earth has no foundation christian philosophy comes and finds that the word as translated foundations may be better translated 
sockets so now see how it will read if it is translated right where wast thou when i set the sockets of the earth where is the socket it is the hollow of god's hand a socket large enough for any world to turn in worldly philosophy said what an absurd story about joshua making the sun and moon stand still if the world had stopped an instant the whole universe would have been out of gear stop said christian philosophy not quite so quick the world has two motions one on its own axis and the other around the sun it was not necessary in making them stand still that both motions should be stopped only the one turning the world on its own axis there was no reason why the halting of the earth should have jarred and disarranged the whole universe joshua right and god right infidelity wrong every time i knew it would be wrong i thank god that the time has come when christians need not be scared at any scientific exploration the fact is that religion and science have struck hands in eternal friendship and the deeper down geology can dig and the higher up astronomy can soar all the better for us the armies of the lord jesus christ have stormed the observatories of the world's science and from the highest towers have flung out the banner of the cross and christianity tonight from the observatories at albany and washington stretches out its hand toward the opposing scientific weapon saying there is none like it give it me i was reading this afternoon of herschel who was looking at a meteor through a telescope and when it came over the face of the telescope it was so powerful he had to avert his eyes and it has been just so that many an astronomer has gone into an observatory and looked up into the midnight heavens and the lord god has through some swinging world flamed upon his vision and the learned man cried out who am i undone unclean have mercy lord god again i remark that the traveling disposition of the world which was adverse to morals and religion is to be brought on our side the man that went down to jericho and fell amidst thieves was a type of a great many travelers there is many a man who is very honest at home who when he is abroad has his honor filched and his good habits stolen there are but very few men who can stand the stress of an expedition six weeks at a watering place has damned many a man in the olden times god forbade the traveling of men for the purposes of trade because of the corrupting influences attending it a good many men now cannot stand the transition from one place to another some men who seem to be very consistent in brooklyn in the way of keeping the sabbath when they get into spain on the lord's day always go out to see the bullfighting plato said that no city ought to be built nearer to the sea than ten miles lest it be tempted to commerce 
but this traveling disposition of the world which was adverse to that which is good is to be brought on our side these mail trains why they are to take our bibles these steamships they are to transport our missionaries these sailors rushing from city to city all around the world are to be converted in christian heralds and go out and preach christ among the heathen nations the gospels are infinitely multiplied in beauty and power since robinson and thompson and burckhardt have come back and talked to us about siloam and capernaum and jerusalem pointing out to us the lilies about which jesus preached the beach upon which paul was shipwrecked the fords at which jordan was passed the red sea bank on which were tossed the carcasses of the drowned egyptians a man said i went to the holy land an infidel i came back a christian i could not help it i am not shocked at the idea recently proposed of building a railroad to the holy land i wish that all the world might go and see golgotha and bethlehem if we cannot afford to pay for muleteers now perhaps when the rail train goes we can afford to buy a ticket from constantinople to joppa and so we will get to see the holy land then let christians travel god speed the rail trains and guide the steamships this night panting across the deep in the phosphorescent wake of the shining feet of him who from wave cliff to wave cliff trod bestormed tiberius the japanese come across the water and see our civilization and examine our christianity and go back and tell the story and keep that empire rocking till jesus shall reign where e'er the sun does his successive journeys run and the firearms with which the infidel traveller brought down the arab horsemen and the jackals of the desert have been surrendered to the church and we reach forth our hand crying there is none like it give it me so it has also been with the learning and the eloquence of the world people say religion is very good for women it is very good for children but not for men but we have in the role of christ's host mozart and handel in music canova and angelo in sculpture raphael and reynolds in painting harvey and boerhaave in medicine cowper and scott in poetry grotius and burke in statesmanship boyle and Leibniz in philosophy thomas chalmers and john mason in theology the most brilliant writings of the worldly nature are all aglow with scriptural allusions through senatorial speech and through essayist discourse sinai thunders and calvary pleads and siloam sparkles samuel l southard was mighty in the courtroom and in the senate chamber but he reserved his strongest eloquence for that day when he stood before the literary societies at princeton commencement and pled for the grandeur of our bible 
Daniel Webster won not his chief garlands while he was consuming Hain, nor when he opened the batteries of his eloquence on Bunker Hill, that rocking Sinai of the American Revolution, but on that day when, in the famous Gerard Will case, he showed his affection for the Christian religion and eulogized the Bible. The eloquence and the learning that have been on the other side came over to our side where is gibbon's historical pen where is robinshire's sword captured for god there is none like that give it me so also has it been with the picture-making of the world we are very anxious on this day to have the printing press and the platform on the side of christianity but we overlook the engraver's knife and the painter's pencil the antiquarian goes and looks at pictured ruins or examines the chiseled pillars of thebes and nineveh and pompeii and then comes back to tell us of the beastliness of ancient art and it is a fact now that many of the finest specimens merely artistically considered of sculpture and painting that are to be found amidst those ruins are not fit to be looked at and they are locked up how paul must have felt when standing amidst those impurities that stared on him from the walls and the pavements and the bazaars in corinth he preached of the pure and holy jesus the art of the world on the side of obscenity and crime and death in later days the vatican and the cathedrals were crowded with religious pictures the titans and raphael's and gionto of the world put on canvas and cathedral walls the baptism of jesus christ and the last supper and the crucifixion and the resurrection and the last judgment but all those pictures were prostituted by superstition poor devotees come and cross themselves they count their beads they take the wafers they glance at the pictured walls and they go out unblessed and unsaved what to unclean henry the eighth was a beautiful picture of the madonna what to lord jeffreys the unjust judge the picture of the last judgment what to nero the unwashed a picture of the baptism in the jordan the art of the world still on the side of superstition and death but that is being changed now the christian artist goes over to rome looks at the pictures and brings back to his american studio much of the power of those old masters the christian minister goes over to venice looks at the crucifixion of christ and comes back to his american pulpit to talk as never before of the sufferings of the savior the private tourist goes to rome and looks at raphael's picture of the last judgment the tears start and he goes back to his room in the hotel and prays god for preparation for that day when shriveling like a parched scroll the flaming heavens together roll our sunday school newspapers and walls are adorned with pictures of joseph in the court daniel in the den shadrach in the fire paul in the shipwreck christ on the cross oh that we might in our families think more of the power of christian pictures 
one little sketch of daniel kneeling in prayer will mean more to your children than twenty sermons on devotion one patient face of christ by the hand of the artist will be more to your child than fifty sermons on forbearance the art of the world is to be taken for christ what has become of thorn walden's chisel and grilanda joe's crayon captured for the truth there is none like that give it me so i remark it is with business acumen and tact when christ was upon the earth the people that followed him for the most part had no social position there was but one man naturally brilliant in all the apostleship joseph of arimathea the rich man risked nothing when he offered a hole in the rock for the dead christ how many of the merchants in asia minor befriended jesus i think of only one lydia how many of the castles on the beach of galilee entertained christ not one when peter came to joppa he stopped with one simon a tanner what power had christ's name on the roman exchange or in the bazaars of corinth none the prominent men of the day did not want to risk their reputation for sanity by pretending to be one of the followers now that is all changed among the mightiest men in our great cities today are the christian merchants and the christian bankers and if tomorrow at the board of trade any man should get up and malign the name of jesus he would be quickly silenced or put out in the front rank of all our christian workers today are the christian merchants and the enterprises of the world are coming on the right side there was a farm willed away some years ago all the proceeds of that farm to go for spreading infidel books somehow matters have changed and now all the proceeds of that farm go toward the missionary cause one of the finest printing presses ever built was built for the express purpose of publishing infidel tracts and books now it does nothing but print holy bibles i believe that the time will come when in commercial circles the voice of christ will be the mightiest of all voices and the ships of tarshish will bring presents and the queen of sheba her glory and the wise men of the east their myrrh and frankincense i look off to-night upon the business men of the city and rejoice at the prospect that their tact and ingenuity and talent will after a while be brought into the service of christ it will be one of the mightiest of weapons there is none like it give it me now if what i have said be true away with all downheartedness if science is to be on the right side and the traveling disposition of the world on the right side and the learning of the world on the right side and the picture making on the right side and the business acumen and tact of the world on the right side thine o lord is the kingdom o fall into line all ye people it is a grand thing to be in such an army and led by such a commander and on the way to such a victory if what i have said is true 
then christ is going to gather up for himself out of this world everything that is worth anything and there will be nothing but the scum left we have been rebels but a proclamation of amnesty goes forth now from the throne of god saying whosoever will let him come however long you may have wandered however great your crimes may have been whosoever will let him come oh that tonight i could marshal all this audience on the side of christ and feel that there would go out of these doors not one enemy of jesus oh he is a loving jesus he is the best friend a man ever had he is so kind he is so loving so sympathetic i cannot see how you can stay away from him come now and accept his mercy behold him as he stretches out the arms of his salvation saying look unto me all ye ends of the earth and be saved for i am god make final choice now you will either be willows planted by the water courses or the chaff which the wind driveth away End of chapter 29 Recording by Marcia Payne